Today's reading is Mark chapter 14. This chapter brings us ever so closer to the cross. And in this chapter, the plot to kill Jesus intensifies and begins to come to fruition. And Jesus is anointed in Bethany, symbolizing uh, anointing for burial. Jesus celebrates the last Passover meal with his disciples. He institutes the Lord's Supper, predicts Judas's betrayal, predicts Peter's denials, both of which come to pass in the chapter. And Jesus is arrested and stands before the council for his first trial. So the, 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 the pace of this chapter in truly Mark and fashion is fast. It's immediate. <laughs> Many of the events uh, here were discussed when we made our way through Matthew's gospel. So this time I simply want to focus on one significant theme here that's beautiful to think about again and again, even if you've heard it before. And it's Jesus' um, statement in the Lord's Supper where he says, this is my blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant. One of the main scenes in this chapter, again, is uh, Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper with his disciples, and that's where we see this phrase in verse 24. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. You may have read this verse many times. You may not have ever known or realized the deep significance of what Jesus is saying there. The significance is found in his word, and he's using the word my, as in my blood of the covenant. Jesus is clearly making a reference to Exodus 24, 8. Exodus 24, 8, where Moses said to the people, quote, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words, that is, the law. Note that Jesus takes Moses' words, who Moses said, the blood of the covenant, and Jesus changes it to my blood of the covenant. Why does Jesus say this? What does he mean by it? What is so significant about it? Let's explore. We're going to have to go way back to understand the full significance of what Jesus is saying at the Lord's Supper. If Jesus was using Moses' words but changing them, what was Moses saying originally? That will help us understand what Jesus means a little better. So if you want to, if you have your Bible open while you're listening to this, you could turn over to Exodus 24 in your Bibles. Remember that back in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, we read the Ten Commandments being given as a summary of the law of Moses. And when you come to Exodus 24, we read in verse, tw in verse 3 that, quote, Moses came and told the people all the wor words of the Lord and all the rules. Moses read the law to the people, and uh, these laws were the stipulation of the covenant that God was making with the people of Israel. And what do the people say when they hear Moses read the law to them? Verse 3 also tells us that, quote, all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. Again in verse 7, except they're adding, And we will be obedient. And it's at that point, after the reading of the law and the people's promise to keep them and obey, that Moses took blood from the animals that had been sacrificed in verse 5, and he sprinkled it on all the people in verse 7. It is as he, as he sprinkled the blood on the people from the sacrifices, as he sprinkled the blood on the people, it's, it's then that he spoke the words echoed by Jesus at the Lord's Supper. He said, uh, Moses said, as he sprinkled it, behold the blood of the covenant. 
And we need to be clear on why Moses sprinkled the blood on the people. What did that mean? I know that sounds kind of gross, but it's, what did it mean? The blood being sprinkled on the people there in Exodus 24 represented and symbolized the death that will be the consequence for anyone who breaks the covenant that God was making with them, to which they twice gave confident agreement uh, with grand promises of obedience. We will obey. Now you know the story. Did the Israelites keep the law as they had promised? No. Before Moses even got down from the mountain, they had fashioned for themselves a golden calf in worship, Exodus 32. God himself confirms that the people broke the covenant that he made with them through Moses. He says that in Jeremiah 31, 32. So based on what Moses was symbolizing through the sprinkling of blood at the initiating of the covenant, the people deserved death since death was the required consequence for covenant breakers. Now, before we go on any further, keep all these things in mind, and let's, let's back up even a little further in the Old Testament. If you turn back to Genesis 15, you find God making his covenant with Abraham. God had actually first made his promises to Abraham back in Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, most especially that all the families of the earth will be blessed through him. Then in chapter 15... Abraham asked God if he can be sure that he really will keep his promise to him. That's verse 8 of chapter 15. At this point, God performs a rather strange, at least to us, ceremony. Uh, he, made a, he made Abraham bring several animals to him, Genesis 15:9. And if you're looking at the passage, what does he tell Abraham to do with the animals? Kill them, cut them in half, and lay the halves opposite each other with a path in between them. That's verse 10. What in the world? Well, this was an ancient way of establishing a covenant. The party agreeing to the covenant would typically, typically walk the path between the dead animals. Why? Well, that's in essence saying the, the person agreeing to the covenant, walking through the animals, is essentially saying, may I become like these dead animals if I am not faithful to this covenant. It's like calling down a curse on yourself if you're unfaithful. But notice carefully what happens in the story in Genesis 15. Does Abraham walk through the pieces of the dead animals? No. In fact, verse 12 tells us that God caused Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. And verse 17 tells us that God himself walked through the pieces. It tells us that symbolized God is symbolized by a smoking pot and a flaming torch. Get this. I mean, just note that. This, this, the, God is symbolized thereby. Uh, smoke or a, a, a cloud, as it were, and a flaming torch by a cloud and fire. It's the same symbols that God would uh, symbolize himself with through the Exodus, a, a, a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. And it's also uh, what you see in the transfiguration, God's presence illustrated by fire and by cloud. But what does this mean? When God passed through the pieces, it means that God took upon himself the curse in order to keep his promise to Abraham to bless the nations through him. Fast forward back to Exodus 24 verse 8 and Moses sprinkling the blood on the people. By doing this, Moses is reminding the people that they still really are the ones responsible to obey the law and be faithful to the covenant. They genuinely deserve the death 
that the sprinkled blood represents. If they diso disobey and are unfaithful, and to remind them of that reality, he sprinkles blood on them and proclaims, Behold, the blood of the covenant. In other words, thus it shall be to you if you fail. It's, it's another graphic way. It's just like passing through between dead animals. It's having the blood sprinkled on you, representing the same thing. Fast forward back now to Mark 14, 24. As Jesus and his disciples observed the Passover, which was a reminder of God's salvation and deliverance out of slavery in Egypt and the giving of the law they were to keep as God's people, he knows that all the way back, with the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 in which God promised to take upon himself the curse against covenant breakers in order to bring about his promise of blessing. He, he knows that. So Jesus takes Moses' words of, of curse. This is the blood of the covenant. And Jesus agrees to take that curse and says, this is my blood of the covenant. Jesus is announcing that he, not only that he, he is fulfilling the covenant with Moses, but he also is fulfilling the covenant with Abraham. This is Jesus. This is the blood being sprinkled on Jesus, the blood that deserved to be sprinkled on us. This is Jesus walking through the pieces of the dead animals back in Genesis 15. Our obligation of obedience is real, and the consequence for disobedience is real and severe. But our gracious God had promised all the way back with Abraham to bear that curse himself. And Jesus came to fulfill these things for us who believe. As Paul would tell the Galatians, in Galatians 3, verses 13 through 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Did you ever imagine that that, that much grace was packed into that one little word, my when Jesus announced to his disciples and to us, this is my blood of the covenant. Every time you take the Lord's Supper, remember as you eat and drink that Jesus bore in his body on the cross every ounce of wrath that you deserve because of your sins and that I deserve because of mine. It was because of the free and gracious promise made to Abraham all those centuries earlier. Through Abraham, we learn that God promised to bear the curse and bring his blessing. Through Moses, we learn that we deserve the curse because of our failure of, uh, and sin. And through Jesus, we learn that God is both gracious and faithful to his word as he bore the curse for us, and that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. Marvel at this, worship at this that we see in Mark chapter 14.